Praise Tarn. Praise Tarn. That was a great week of comics. This was a fantastic week of comics. Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm Justin, the Praiser of Tarn. (laughs) Praisers of Tarn. Honestly, Uh, I praise others more, so... (laughs) We'll get to that. Uh, honestly, it was either Praise Tarn or Tiny Danger, and I would start singing Tiny Dancer. Oh, hold me closer, Tiny Danger. <laughs> bless, bless the mercenaries in their face. <laughs> A new what? song for the Ex-Wife podcast album. Okay. Well, we got to talk about some, some Infinity Comics as well today. Yeah, sure. So give so, us the rundown. All right, so we've got... The Marvel Voices Iceman comic. Number three. Number three. We've got our classic Marvel Unlimited. We've X-Men got the, Unlimited. Yes, excuse me. X-Men Unlimited. Number 39. We've got the penultimate eeny meeny story going on. Yes. And then we've got Wolverine, a.k.a. Deadpool. So Wolverine number 22, but Deadpool number four, I think. Three. Three. Maybe three. And then X-Men Red number three. X-Men Red number three. X-Men Red number three. Seen a lot of positive chatter on the internet it's, about this guy. Th- let me tell you, after last week, I feel so much better about this week of comics. I just, I feel excited and and giddy. And it's, it's interesting how that week to week effects. Mm-hmm. And I've talked about it before, I think on the podcast as well, how that affected my read of... Ten of Swords mm. and how, you know, you, you hit a bad week or a down week, especially it was in the middle. There were two issues that came out in the same week and I didn't like either of them. And it just kind of made me feel out on the event as a whole. I see. Yeah. But when I binge read it, I felt completely different. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting to the groupings of what comes out when, you know, like would we have felt differently or would I have felt differently about Legion of X and or Marauders if I had read it with one of these other comics? Like because would one of these other comics have hyped up my overall feeling of comics for the week? Maybe. You know, it's a very it's a it's a very interesting balance. But before that, we have to talk about news. We have to. It's part of what we do here. We don't have a lot of news. Big thing that's been coming out is a a full updated list of Judgment Day and the titles, the issues, the things that are coming out. It's a heavy August and September, which I believe is a little further out than what was initially intended with Hellfire Gala starting in or or occurring in July, maybe the end of June, if you count some of the other tie-in adjacent issues, Mm. but... Let's just say that I saw in passing in one of the like notifications that pops up on my phone, someone commenting on one of our Judgment Day posts that they haven't been seeing much of Emma in the promo materials for Judgment Day, which makes them worried about what's going to happen in Immortal X-Men. And I saw that comment and my stomach like dropped. dropped. I was like, no, 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 what? I don't want to. I can't. And I should have gone back and I should have, you know, responded to the comment, but something I saw in passing in the middle of my day. But I just want to acknowledge that comment and say, I hope that the preview images are not leading us to a place where Emma is not where I want her to be. 
especially after what is going to be a, a big event for her, right? So mm-hmm. Hellfire yes. Gala is her baby and is something that has been teased with uh, some disappointment for herself and, you know, the egg on her face. Yeah, yeah. That, that little snippet from the first issue of Immortal X-Men talking about that issue. I got to say, in that whole trajectory, I feel it. I feel a little bit nervous because I really like where Emma as a character was going. And I feel, you know, with what's happening in the Infinity comic right now and stuff, it's like, oh, they're the writers like as a collective. We're like, let's build Emma up and then we're going to smack her down and put her back in her place. And I'm not really not here for I'm it. not here for that. Yeah, I don't think I don't think we're getting there yet. I don't, All right. I don't think that's happening. Good. I, I think, you know, I will agree. I don't see her on covers. Right. I don't see her on, I think, any of the covers that I've seen or posted recently for Judgment Day. The variants, there's been some great variants coming out, but no Emma on any of them. No Emma. You got any other news? Captain Carter, you have some news. I have some news. I have some Captain Carter news. So I have been reading the Captain Carter series and um, I finally got to reading issue three and I'm not going to give any like real spoilers. I'm just going to say that in the issue, Captain Carter's uh, strike companion is Lizzie Braddock. So Betsy goes by Lizzie and I've been waiting and hoping that there was some moment when she was going to, you know, reveal her mutant powers. And in issue three, it happened and it was awesome. And I like got so excited and I was like, hee hee, yay, a mutant is in this book. So now I feel like I have cause to talk about it on the podcast because <laughs> it's a mutant related thing. I don't know where it will go. And because and it, is it happening in another universe? Do you know? Is I that clear? I believe it is. I feel like it has it to. It has to because right. she, because Peggy is the one who got the super soldier serum. So it has to be happening in another universe. I don't, it might have in the first issue specifically said what universe that it was in, but I don't recall. But all I know is that Lizzie has used her powers to protect herself, but Peggy still does not know that Lizzie has powers. Um, so... I'm excited to see where it goes. And I'm also really interested in the storyline that's happening in there, too. At first, I was like, okay, we're just doing a Captain America reboot. But now it's on its own Got its own thing. So that's really exciting. New story. One more news item that came in. A new title announcement of Midnight Suns. Oh, Midnight Suns. Following up on last week's video game conversation... A team is assembled, spanning all around the Marvel Universe. Magic, monsters, and murderous friends. Wolverine and magic are on the lineup. That's cool. It kind of feels like a a spiritual successor of Savage Avengers, which recently was canceled because I think it was contract disputes or the ownership of Conan the Barbarian. Ownership of Conan the Barbarian. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So... Is that something that they do often, like having a title that goes along with a video game? Or do you think that's that's coincidental or new idea? Yeah, maybe them trying it out. I think that that's a great way to do it. I don't know if it really is just going to be there to hype the video game or if it's there to really just tell you some more stories of this cool lineup. Ghost Rider, Blade is on the team. Nico from Doctor Strange, a student from Strange Academy. Oh, cool. There's a handful of 
deep bringing cuts. Bringing them all together. Yeah. And Wolverine's not in enough books. That was the main reaction <laughs> from Twitter was like, what? Wolverine is in this, that, this? The cover's really cool by David Nakayama. I think I saw you posted it. Yeah. I mean, is anyone else? Is anyone surprised that Wolverine is all over the place? Oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. No, no, no. I mean, I'll give you a little MCU update. Marvel's been posting about Doctor Strange coming June 22nd. Soon. Soon. Within the next week. So exciting. I think that's what? Wednesday? Tuesday? Yeah. It's not Wednesday because that's when everything else comes out. Oh. Because we, we have not watched second episode of Miss Marvel yet. Or, or Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Because yeah. it comes out the same day, Marvel, on the same day as new comics. What are you doing to us? And now it's a day that both of us have something until late at night. Right. We'll have to figure our lives out on that front. Maybe we'll watch one tonight. All right. Well, is it time to talk about comics? It is. All right. Well, what do you want to start with? How about that Iceman? How about that Iceman? Were you excited to see your boy? My boy Loki. I was. I, I, I enjoy when Loki appears wherever he may appear doing whatever mischievous things he may do. But first, let's get a little flashback because we don't want to be in this frozen tundra we with don't loki be in this terrible situation we want to go back to the morning with christian frost cool new costume eh, this is just my underwear i can never tell with you <laughs> i thought that was hysterical that's i mean that's very true he for most of his continuity was just running around in his underwear iced up just iced up in your undies yeah i do like this conversation that they're having about fathers and responsibility and, mm-hmm. and how that that's impacted them in their growth and i feel like this as a story has really been a lot of just reconciling Iceman's history and recognizing where he's at personally and how the death of his father is going to affect him going forward. Yeah, and I also think it's interesting, you know, this issue specifically is him figuring out really how to tap into his omega level powers, like right. the full potential of his powers. And In this issue, we get to see one of the things that I like so much about Loki, which is that he's always up to no good getting people to do what he needs them to do, but then can twist it at the end and be like, Yeah, I was a good guy. I was doing something good for you because, like, that was just a placebo effect and you're actually super powerful, okay? So I did you a favor. You're welcome. Damon 2, this sorcerer man who's just trying to summon ice demons, trying so hard. Accidentally gets Iceman. <laughs> he just doesn't seem to know what he's doing or what's going on. And, yeah. and Loki is here to mess with that even further. Does this mean Loki isn't elsewhere? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't so. know. I don't think so. I think we'll still see him in Legion of X. Yes. Especially with that cover. If we don't, I'll be sad. But I don't think they would do that. You mentioned the placebo effect, the, the kind of overpowering his ice abilities with the helmet of loki bestowing some powers and the ice staff was Mm -hmm. just a prop you know this was all just to put him in that mindset of hey you have the power you can do this Mm -hmm. you are strong yeah and and really just facing this curse combination of loki's father bobby's father and and how this is is really plaguing both of their subconsciouses Mm -hmm. yeah it's very interesting Clever storytelling devices. 
And I, the, the spikes. Why do you have spikes? I don't know. When I don't know what to do, I get spikes. No, maybe that was cool in the 90s, but it's not cool now. It was cool I in know, the 90s. I disagree. I think it was cool now. Sorry, Loki. Yeah. And even this this ice wizard, ice master. I love, I love the ice wizard version of him. Yeah. That's I, awesome. Honestly, I like this more than his current new costume. <laughs> Let's rock this ice wizard uniform. Man. It does mature him quite a bit, though. I mean, the current look de-ages him quite a bit as well so yes yes I feel like how are you going to be one of the original five x-men and look younger like a than little the new baby mutants? let's let's find a happy medium maybe right right somewhere in between you get like the little chiseled beard at the end yes that's his he's that's his in in between he's finding his in between place Writer and artist Luciano Vecchio. Letters, Joe Sabino. Oh, do you mean V.C.'s Joe Sabino? No, I mean Joe Sabino. We're Ugh. talking X-Men Unlimited? <laughs> Let's talk about X-Men Unlimited. Meany, Eeny, Japheth. Well, Eeny, giant Eeny, not so Eeny, has come to the island. And nobody can seem to take her down. Yeah. Yeah, we have Kaiju Cameo City going on as we fight off this monster. We, Cannonball, Banshee, Avalanche, Chamber later on. Wolverine with her bleep me. <laughs> yeah. I love that moment when she just kind of is like, oh, oh okay, that guy's, that guy's pretty big. Flark me. That gal's pretty big. <laughs> Flark me. Yes. Amazing. I, I do see what you're talking about with, with Emma's depiction in this. Yeah. But also the moment where she confronts Maggot and talks to him about the fact that she will do literally anything to protect this island. I didn't I didn't feel villain. I just felt like and that that lends itself to this idea that are there heroes, are there villains, or right. is this just the gray area in between where we live now of just, you know, there are just people fighting for what they believe in. And that extends across the human mutant dichotomy and even with other heroes even with the eternals as we have upcoming in judgment day yeah i agree i totally agree with what you're saying but i do think that in this story they're making emma to be the villain of this story or to be like an antagonist sure yeah i mean Um, she's preventing maggot from his goal right definitely an antagonist i would agree with that yeah villain i don't know villainous maybe you know in the sense that she's just doing this whatever it takes mentality to protect Krakoa. Yeah. But also I would too if I was Emma and had lived through all this other stuff. Also gave me like Mandalorian vibes. I would like to see the baby. Show me the baby. <laughs> Show me the child. Give me the child. But mm-hmm. we don't know we don't know what's about to happen because the com I did like getting the um the Flashback. little backstory of of Maggot. Maggot's powers and, and Magneto coming and showing him that he was a mutant and connecting him to Eni and Meanie and all of that. Yeah, pulling them from his insides. Yeah, that was a nice little moment of history. And I do think it's good that, you know, he's going to try to give not so Eni a conversational moment and say, hey, What's going on? Yeah. But we really just don't know if she's going to listen to him. Yeah. Even the meanie team up kind of sneak attack from above. Yeah. This this terrifying look. Oh, so scary. This giant eenie. And I did like the moment, you know, it's good for Maggot to have his moment to stand up to Emma and that like moment to say like, no, I'm not going to just sacrifice part of myself. 
Yeah, a lot of great moments for a relatively underserved character since his first appearances. You know, in the yeah. 90s, we haven't really seen Maggot all that much. But we'll have to wait until the next issue to find out what happens. What the fate of Big Enie is. Written by Alex Pacnadel, Art by Julian Shaw. Colors by Dono Sanchez Almara. Letters, Joe Sabino again. Oh, VCs. Joe Sabino. VCs, Joe Sabino. Sabino. <laughs> On to the <laughs> How do you feel about this? Because you weren't, you weren't really feeling last issue of this. I mean... It slowed down. I feel like there was a lot of like really interesting new ideas at the beginning. And it, it's now just kind of playing out this conflict between Emma and Maggot as giant eni comes to the island and 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 really we don't get a whole lot more of information about that situation but we do get some more character context on maggot himself yeah and i i did like that and i i mean i think seeing the effects that eni is having while she's attacking you know and and how that the other mutants are responding and And even just krakoa responding this overwhelming need to do something but then also the way that maggot is caring for eeny and meeny and trying to protect the other eeny and all of that like it's very interesting i wonder if we needed two more issues to to go through it but they are mini stories so eeny arrived and we got this next phase and then we've only got one more so you know it's hard for me to say i really love a comic where i think that i don't love the way that emma is acting um Right, but, right, because that's that's all you're looking for. Right. You're looking for your girl. I just need my girl, but, you know, I understand where Emma's coming from, but I also feel like I don't like the light that she's being portrayed in, so. Villain's gonna villain. I know. I know. And I respect her need to protect Krakoa at all costs, you know, I do. Right. But I also respect the need of an innocent life to be protected, so I feel conflicted. Right, and it's just... This interesting new ground of how do you handle someone who is resurrected when they didn't actually die. Right, when which, they didn't need to be resurrected. Which will potentially come back another time. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about the murder squad? Let's talk about the murder squad. Wolverine number 22. Love that cover. Yeah. It's a great cover. Just square enough. I and I didn't really I mean I kind of recognized it. But just the fact that Maverick and Weasel are the main antagonists mm-hmm. in this book, and they're both not really deep cuts, but just cuts from Wolverine and Deadpool's backstory and history. Yeah. So it just it makes this feel less like Wolverine and more like Wolverine and Deadpool. I love it. Right. Let's change the title. <laughs> Let's just let it go. <laughs> I'm for all the little red cross out moments. Yeah, that, yeah. That and Deadpool I feel like that makes. just adds to the comedy of it. Yeah. And... The fact that this is adding in a lot of new energy to this title that I thought was pretty strong regardless. I think Wolverine has been a really solid title for Wolverine fans, especially that you know we get to see great adventures. Agreed. Let's dig in, shall we? Mm. Page turn noise. Cellmates. More like best buds. Yeah. <laughs> we get the just... The classic dynamic between Deadpool and Wolverine. It nails from the start their dynamic. It spends no time to recap, but just explore where we left off. Mm-hmm. 
We're in this cell. We're kind of being very frustrated by Deadpool's constant talking. I love the progression of this art and the way that it's framed in Deadpool, like traveling through the panels. Especially in relationship to Wolverine just being the constant there. Yes. And the and then the snicked yeah. coming out at the end of like, okay, I've had enough of you. Yeah. I'm done with this. And it's interesting because it's the same framing dynamic that we've seen in the last couple of issues. Yeah. At first, I just thought it was the truck yeah. at the beginning that was doing that. But now, the fact that it keeps on continuing, I question where it's coming from. Yeah, is this what just is it? like an interesting way to frame pages? Or does this mean something more? Mm. We even have little details of characters in those corner in boxes. The corners, yeah. But either way, Deadpool's going to take a little nappy. Because Wolverine has had enough. Stabbed him in the face. Just like, shh, be quiet, man. I can't think with all this noise. Right. I can't eavesdrop with all this noise. Right, I can't watch them as they're assembling this tiny danger. We have our, our duos, each side working on their own things with their own difficulties that, you know, they're not used to working with these partners. Mm-hmm. Maverick and Weasel, not necessarily really getting along. You know, Maverick's just a hired hand. Weasel does not like him. No, they are bumping heads and, and putting heads in the wrong places. Yes. Putting heads where butts are supposed to go. <laughs> tiny Danger is just adorable. So <laughs> just cute. So, so tiny and cute and, and destructive. So deadly. Yes. By the end of the issue, I still don't really know what it is or what's going on other than Danger wants it, and it's kind of a, a form of danger in some way. It's a Charles and Danger baby. Basically, kind of. Well, it seems. It's wearing a Charles helmet, so that's what I, I say. I don't know if that makes it an Xavier baby. Well, either way, it's not having whatever it is that Maverick and Weasel are up to. No. And it's getting out of there. Jailbreak on its own. Shout out for the art, because I love it. Adam Kuber and Frank Martin. Love, love, love it. Yeah. I, I will never get enough of this team. And that's why I feel like I love this as a title. It's just yeah. great Wolverine stories, really dynamic art. Great creative team, great character team. Yep. So Maverick and Weasel basically chase this thing to a title page. Ooh, cellmates, more like best buds, am I right? Bad Gamble. Written by Benjamin Percy. Art by Adam Kubert. Colors by Frank Martin. Letters by Corey Pettit. VCs Corey Petit. Deadpool. Butthead of X. Yeah. I like that he's been changed from the head of X to the butthead and of X. And he's clearly writing these. Clearly. So it's just funny that that's where he goes. I love it. I love it. All right. Chaos. Yes. Chaos. Pure chaos. But some cohesion, too. There's no teamwork or even the ability to play off of each other between Maverick and Weasel. Yeah, they mean they let Tiny Danger get that giant gun. Right, and just keep on blasting through his lab. And just run away. But speaking of teamwork against this tiny murder bot. Oh my gosh. Wolverine with the savage play. He does not care. He is willing to do anything to just use Deadpool for his benefit here. I'm just going to chop you up and throw you through the bar. Right. Ah, just a small enough piece so you can pull your upper torso across the floor. Blood everywhere. Blood everywhere. Pull yourself across the floor. Somehow, like, you're just little pop yourself right up to that keypad and type in that very complex 
ABC123 passcode. Yes. I, I do like the fact that he regrets wanting to be on X-Force now just mm-hmm. because of how Wolverine's treating him. Yeah. He's just, he's so sad when he's left in that bottom panel. I'm, I'm, it makes but, you feel bad for but him. But teamwork. Right. But teamwork, like, that's why I'm here. I wanted to work with you. I have helped you literally so every much. step of I've the way. i helped you so much. And when, when Wolverine leaves him, I was like, not cool, Wolverine. Not cool. Not well, cool. Especially what happens later, too. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not cool, Wolverine. He's tired of it all. Wolverine is just tired of people coming after him for their various reasons, all the ways that they want to manipulate him. Common theme throughout all Wolverine stories, and especially in this era. Mm-hmm. He's sick of being a pawn. Yeah. But I really love this data page shout out from Blind Al. You want to talk Al. about a team that's actually working together, just this little sneak peek into their relationship, the lengths that they would go to for each other. It's actually kind of sweet. And, and much better than Wolverine's relationship with Deadpool. Yeah. I don't think that Wolverine has someone like this in his life. You know, someone that, that really, other than maybe his kids. Right. Or, or like if you want to lump Gene into that for whatever romantic attachment that they have. But Right. The person who's going to come for you, come take care of you when things tabs go on you. bad. Yeah, right. Wolverine disappears for weeks. Nobody cares. Nobody <laughs> Nobody's cares. looking for him. He's, Nobody's tracking him secretly through his nipple. Right. <laughs> he's surfing and given a map to Krakoa to stop bringing it up, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> stop bringing it up. You want to talk about the, the framing? Very similar technique. And we've seen Adam Kubert use this in his other issues where you have the wide of the location and then you see movement across the panels. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, not that many people would know this, but shout out to Busby Berkeley because this stage show is for sure a Busby Berkeley, Busby Berkeley little shout out of all the dancers doing this synchronized thing with this kaleidoscope looks that happens in big stage shows in 1930s movies and I got really excited when I saw it because that's a little dance Easter egg that maybe other people wouldn't notice. I didn't notice it, but glad to hear about it. It's cool. Deadpool's taped himself up though and he's coming. Get it together, Deadpool. He's literally just trying to survive. (laughs) My favorite. Just need to take it easy on the bumps and the sharp right turns. And then, Since, you know, the top whoa. half of his body will fall off. <laughs> and then rip. And then. He, just, he gets fully, I don't mean, what what is that? Not decapitated, but just separated from that part of himself again as he's thrown into the passenger seat of Wolverine's car. Thrown into the passenger seat and then thrown onto the floor of the driver's side so right. that he can just press on the pedals. Literally could have used anything with weight. Yeah. But instead uses Deadpool's face. Just use Deadpool. I mean, I think that it's a really cool and sort of like interesting dynamic between the two of them that they both know that they are essentially indestructible. So they just go ham and they're just like, let the car throw my body into this thing and let me rip you in half because doing that is going to get us where we need to go and we'll recover. Right. And I've said it before about the Wolverine series specifically Percy writes this like an action movie. Mm-hmm. It, it feels cinematic, especially with Adam's layouts yes. and just the big picture. You know, that next page where you have the big wide of Wolverine flying yes. through the air. I just, 
I remember picking that up in the arc with Maverick before, but were high energy car chases, explosions, you have two basically indestructible action heroes yeah. leading the story. It's just very exciting and it reads so quickly. And I, one thing I love so much about the Wolverine comic is that so much of the art tells the story. Right. Like I love Percy's writing, but I also love the way that he collaborates with the artists to have their work tell the story in these action sequences like you don't need a lot of dialogue you just want to see what's going on right and i feel in contrast to x-force which is much more plot heavy Mm, manipulations people working against each other this it's just you have your solo guy you have your solo guy he's got a mission he's doing something and now you've got comic relief and someone to bounce things off Mm -hmm. of it's a really great combination overall it just works so well because We've been layering these relationships over the last few issues and arcs so we can just get wrapped up in a series of epic action sequences. Mm-hmm. We don't have to say, oh, this is why Wolverine is upset with Maverick or, oh, right. this is why Deadpool and Wolverine don't get along. We know that. That's been seeded in the story. And then it's all good because Wolverine just takes the head of that tiny danger. We don't need the body. We don't need the body. We'll just take the head. That's where all the good, juicy information is. Yep. And... uh Blind blind. Owl will show up and take us home. Yeah, we're expanding the team. Perfect example of the differences between Deadpool and Wolverine. Like I was saying before, especially colored by that data page, Mm -hmm. Logan doesn't have a Blind Owl. Yeah. And interesting, in reading this data page, so, you know, we had this conversation like, why is Danger doing this? And now we know Danger is doing this because she's essentially being blackmailed in some way. So what is it? That the CIA has and Dolores, what are you up to? And the Shi'ar are involved? Right, right. Well, I mean, so Danger is of Shi'ar technology. Interesting. That's the upgrades to the Danger Room in 1991's Mm. X-Men number one that then created what was the sentience of Danger much later on. But there is a lot of contextual reveals on Dolores and Danger. Just so much information on the motivations of the X-Desk. If it was ever in question as to what their intentions were, it's made that much more clear here with this page. Right. And the other thing about this issue that was really eye-opening for me was I was assuming that Maverick and Weasel were working somehow for the CIA to get this thing back. And they're over here stealing it to... For ransom. Yeah, yeah. Maverick's Maverick's just working for whoever's paying him. Right. And Weasel sees an opportunity because he heard some info from Deadpool and just kind of tagged him with this. Just ran with it. Right, right. Now, let's just see what they get. Right. But yeah, the asset and connection to the Shi'ar. Still no real clarity as to what this tiny danger is or how slash why it is. Mm -hmm. But it's the reason why danger is coming for not necessarily Wolverine, but for the CIA. And why they were in that drop. Now Al's taking them to a secret destination. And can we just talk about the little Wolverine and Deadpool yeah. plushies in her backseat? Right. Well, I mean, you remember the, so cute. the last two issues ago where we got to see all those details in, in her, her apartment. House, yeah. yeah. Like, so did Wolverine, uh, so did Deadpool put those there? I would assume just because Blind Al is still blind, mm-hmm. even if you are in a... a automatically driving car a self-driving car so the details and just deadpool's obsession with wolverine so funny but it's so cute and we've got a secret group of people who 
They're jumpy and suspicious, and that's how they survive. Full team support. I love the pacing in this issue, too, mm -hmm. to have these calm few pages after all that chaos to, yeah. to really be able to invest in, okay, this is what has just been established. This is where we're going next and, and how we're setting up the next issue. And the next issue should be quite exciting because the tracker has led us to the location of danger, which just happens to be... The Xavier Mansion. Oh, snap. And it, I love seeing it all like abandoned uh, like this. Yeah. And this seems to have progressed even further since we saw it in the couple of times that we've seen it in the past. Mm. So we saw it in giant sized X-Men Nightcrawler where the Sidri had basically taken up residence. I wonder if we'll see any mention to that or in them or if, you know, they're sharing this space in different sections. Mm. And then we saw it again in Planet Size X-Men when Cyclops met Captain America there. Right. And it was nowhere they near. they met outside. Right. They did it, not go in. And that's been a lot of it. it. It's just we've seen the exterior. We haven't really gotten inside or, or played around in the details. Dun, dun, dun. Danger Ooh, zone. That's where you'll find danger. <laughs> Which kind of danger, blind owl? Next episode, next issue, Danger Zone. Gotcha. Danger Zone. Can't wait. Big picture, what'd you think? I loved it. I can't get enough of this comic. I'm all for the dynamic between Deadpool and Wolverine. I love the side comments. I love the occasional nods to breaking the fourth wall. You know, like Deadpool saying, we should just start our own franchise. Like, yeah. I, I love it. I love the way it's written. I love the way it's drawn. I love the way it flows when you read it it's exciting I, i'm intrigued by the story intrigued, i think it's great intrigued by the story but not weighted down by everything right. you know, and and i don't say that at a detriment to some of the stories that are working with bigger plots thing right this feels like candy you know it's yes. it's beautiful it's easy to digest we're just enjoying it it's just it's popcorn you know it's right but it's also giving you the like it is giving you a complex story there's sure. a connection to to the excess there's a connection to danger you're going back to the xavier institute the shiar connection like there's a bunch of connections and they're giving you that information in a very palatable way right you know and so that makes it enjoyable and it doesn't make me as you said feel weighed down by it or confused by it or like that i have to Keep you this, know, that, and the navigate other. Navigate all this information. Like, it's just telling me the story. Right. Yeah. No, I love it. I think I've always felt that Wolverine has had a much stronger voice than X Force just because of its singularity and focus. Just the fact that you have essentially a spin off of X Force to focus on your one of your main characters mm -hmm. doing things that may or may not connect to X Force. You know, if you look at this, this is national security for Krakoa, right? Right. But we don't need to mention X-Force. Oftentimes you'll see Sage in the background or right, Forge yep. doing some tech. But this works just with Wolverine as the solo guy. And now he's brought in his own support like he had, had done previously with Bannister, even with Maverick trying yeah. to work with him. I just it feels straight to the point on a singular mission while also revealing some details about our main guy. Yeah. The energy infused with Deadpool and his world, all these connections to past characters, the giant mystery fueling the bigger picture. You know, this might be up there with the Somnus arc as some of my favorite Wolverine stories of the Krakoan era. Yeah, I love this story. It's definitely one of my favorites. It's not trying to be all this big island threat, but at the same time, the seeds are there to, for it to grow into that if it's not prevented. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I feel... 
I don't want to say frustrated, but like maybe confused by is that I understand as a writer, like you have ideas, right? And like a creative entity has ideas and you want to keep pushing forward all these ideas. But in the the span of the Krakoan age, so many ideas and so many plot points have been put forward that there's already so much knowledge for the readers to work with and so much for you to live inside and to create stories that tie into that I think we should be spending a little bit more time exploring and developing those stories instead of adding in all these other layers because then it becomes way too much for your brain to handle. Right, right. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean... That's why I think this approach of three issues so far, probably the arc will end next issue if I'm just guessing, Mm -hmm. uh, that is completely focused on danger and the threat to and connection to the X-Desk. Yeah. The X-Desk being a constant that has been in the background of both Wolverine and X-Force. Right. And building through as like a main threat. Also, you get to revisit these classic characters that haven't really been in the story or have only been kind of tertiary characters, adding them into a mix that then, okay, you can pull back, depending on how the last issue plays out, and I'm only calling it the last issue because I feel like it's going to be, you then have the ability to play with danger later on. You have this new threat. You have the, the legacy house to be able to then fade into the background and pull back. Right. It's the same thing when we were talking to Ben Percy about the building. Mm -hmm. Right. So the the first phase of Krakoa was just additive, just add. These are the threats. These are the big things. These are the ways that the humans or the other forces are responding to mutants stronghold into the power that they have. Mm -hmm. And then now, I mean, you you should play with that. Yeah. And that's I think that's what they're doing. I think that's what they're doing in a lot of the titles. But yeah. some of us are traveling to space to create new <laughs> threats and new storylines. I mean, at the same time, that has been self-contained in that story, yes. right? So, he, and and that is a new writer entering into. So, right, right. They want to carve out their own corner, right? To and play that's in. what I was saying about understanding that you have your own ideas and sure, you, yeah. you want to explore your own story. But there's so much that's left uncovered so far in the world of Krakoa as it exists that, like. There's a part of me that's not, I'm not done with that. I'm not ready to move on to something else, you know? And I think that might be where some of the resistance to the other stories is. Is that, like, there's just so much happening, but, like, we, I feel like not finished with what else is going on. Sure. Yeah, well, and that's also just keeping track of all the different stories that are happening concurrently. Yeah. And how that's telling the world story that it's building to, right? You think of the Hellfire Gala, you think of... AXE as that world story and every other title has their own individual stories that at least at least now I feel like have some sense of urgency you know in in the first I don't want to say the first arc but like the first phase of Krakoa right so mm-hmm. dawn ten of swords rain that all felt like not not all felt like filler but felt like a slow build to where then we got to for inferno yep and then from here, from there on, it's felt like, okay, there's urgency. There's mm-hmm. there's things going on that we have to deal with. There's threats building that we have to acknowledge and handle. Yeah. Agreed. So you, I just wanted to go back to this. You think there's only going to be four issues of this arc, not six? Yeah. And, okay. and that's just a guess. You're just thinking that because of the 
pacing of the story so far because I feel like when we've talked before, like, you know, I try to get a handle on what's a standard and I feel like a six to 12 issue arc is is sort of a standard length for one story. So I just wonder if it's, is it that, is it the pacing of the story that you feel like is leading you to think it'll be concluded in one more? Uh, it's the pacing of the story is just kind of like where we end up. Is there going to be something that is, and, and also just, I look at covers too. So mm-hmm. the Wolverine 24 cover has nothing to do with danger. So is that, Oh, what is it? It's a bunch of wolves. It's a bunch of wolves. It's a bunch of wolves. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. Okay. I guess that makes sense. But yeah, I I would agree. You know, you do have conventions for what you would expect to be a full arc of a a, a certain story. Mm -hmm. People play with that all the time. Or especially Ben has been seeding things and then resting them and then yeah. bringing something back up. And some people get, are getting frustrated with that. Sometimes I am as well. But it's also building this crazy world to then play in. Hold me closer, tiny danger. What are your thoughts? What is this thing? I don't know. I mean, in thinking about the fact that danger is replicating or helping to replicate the mutants and their powers and their ability in some way makes me think that this is some sort of like hybrid between Danger's powers and Charles's powers and the Cerebro network as a whole. Yeah. And that it's like kind of a a a spy source or like some sort of linchpin in the ex-desk's plan to take down Krakoa. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, is it is it something that clearly poses a threat or poses something of interest to danger. There is likely a connection. It's hard to think of a family in an AI space. Right. Right. But is this, is this tiny danger related to danger in some way on the same network of sorts, having access to the same communication sets? Is it like a, a warlock family kind of tie? Right. That's interesting to think about. And, and Mm -hmm. hopefully we, we get, the information and still have some ability to play with it further on. Yeah. Now I know you love Deadpool here. Yes, I do. Do you feel bad for him in this issue? A little, yeah. Yeah. Where Where are you at with him in this issue? And and especially like like I I love Wolverine. I'm I'm a Wolverine fan. I, I know. Admit that proudly. <laughs> yeah. You I am too. Look at the number of Wolverine Marvel Legends figures that I have set out in this room, <laughs> and you will understand that yes, I am a fan of Wolverine and his family. But I'm not really a fan of how he's treating Deadpool. I get it. The frustration, the buddy, and it's comedy. And it's not, you know, he knows that Deadpool will just regrow himself. And or follow connect. Right, right. Yeah. I think these issues, as they continue, are more and more of a vote for Deadpool to join Krakoa. Yeah. Like, I think he has proven he, he should be allowed on Krakoa. Yeah. And I think... You know, he's sort of like a lovable idiot. That's kind of how I feel about him, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> and and you need that, you know? From seeing future covers of X-Force, it looks like he gets his wish after this arc. Thank goodness. So hopefully adding in some of that energy to X-Force along with Omega Red. 
Mm. Oh, those two together would be hilarious. Yeah, I mean, you Omega really, Red will have none of it. Right. Well, then that just thinking about how that beefs up your murder squad. Right. Because really, it's just been what Wolverine, Quentin Choir, and Domino. Yeah. Which, no offense to Quentin Choir, but he's not really who I think of in like a murder team. Right. Domino, sure. Yeah, she can do whatever she needs to. Are you sad to see the clear motive of the X desk? No, I'm excited to see it. Because you were on the fence of like, what are they doing? Are they maybe kind of friendly or are they just trying to figure it out? But And now to reveal that Dolores and the X-Desk are systematically working through any potential enemies of mutant kind yeah. to sway to their side. I think it's juicy and I like it. And yeah. I, I want to know how it plays into... Orcus. Orcus, yeah. I really I've I've had my suspicions about the X desk being involved with Orcus and I really am excited to see where it goes. And I think I love getting this information because this is the stuff I've been talking about. This is the stuff that's been slowly being seeded over the whole time and now we're starting to kind of see how it all threads together and that's really exciting to me. And I love when a writer can create a character that I am so confused about and so like, ooh, are they good? Are they bad? And then can just reveal it to me and make me go, oh, snap. Like, right. that's what's happening, you know? Right. So I don't think that there is any current connection between Orcus and the X-Desk. At least... You think there's there are separate entities I think there are separate entities, the right, that, that are just operating on their own wavelengths. Mm -hmm. But... I think there's going to be something that pushes them together. But there has to be some crossover. If their goal is to get anyone who's an enemy of the mutants and get information from them or to get them on their side, then there's got to be people that they've at least talked to thus far who, who are already working with Orcus. Sure, yeah. You know? And who could be like to Orcus, hey, there's this CIA faction that's pretty anti-mutant and right. we should get in on that and so is it just that they don't know because of the hush hush nature of the x desk or even more so the hush hush nature of orcus itself mm. because you know shield agents or, or former hydra agents that's what you have on the orcus payroll right it's interesting yeah i'm excited to see where it goes the pikachu adding to the conversation about tiny danger Asking, if that mini robot is Warlock and Danger's kid, they used to have a thing, I think. <gasps> Which, yeah. Oh, my Lanta Santa. Because we were just talking about the fact that is it this like a, a, a family... family thing. Wow. I would love it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. But then, like, how is that? How is that happening? Is, is I don't know. Don't judge it. Just I'm not let it be. <laughs> don't don't throw your rational thought on this science no. fiction moment. I can't help it. I know, but I'm just saying, don't. Just for right now, just put it on pause. All right, yeah, cool little baby. It's better than Xavier in danger. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's so much better than Xavier in danger. I love it. On to X Men Red. On to X Men Red. Let's talk about that cover. Oh, that cover makes, makes my skin tingle. Yeah, it was it was definitely something that felt weird when I saw it at first, and and also I think that's wrapped up in the fact that I love Magneto, mm -hmm. and I do really enjoy Tarn. So seeing the devious genomic mage behind him as he's turning into 
paint. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like, my brain goes to so many places. One, now that I've read the issue, kind of a spoilery cover. Yeah. Two, it just kind of makes me think of that image of Magneto, like, pulling the adamantium out of Wolverine. And, like, oh, yeah. Tarn is pulling the essence <laughs> out of Magneto. Pulling the Magneto out of Magneto? Yeah. But... Regardless of how it makes me feel, it's gorgeous. Shatter the Stars commented, I legit thought the title was X-Men Oreo for a moment, and I cannot unsee it. O-R-E-O. <laughs> I love it. It's great. X-Men Oreo. Well, Oreos, get on it. Make an X-Men themed Oreo. Everybody will eat it. Yeah. Shall we dive in? Mm-hmm. Page turn noise. The Resurrection Machine. Mm. I do love, I love the colors in this. I love, I love the art throughout this issue. Yes, yes, 100%. And I like seeing this pathway of Cable, you know, the versions of him, the experiences that he's maybe recalling as Xavier is, you know, putting his brain back together. Putting Humpty Dumpty back together again. Yeah. Do you recognize this first Nathan image? Baby Nathan? Baby Nathan from his first appearance. That is an homage to Uncanny X-Men 201. Excellent. The first page of that issue where he is revealed. And he has a new arm. Yeah. A stealth arm. A stealth arm for specific reasons, thanks to Hope. It's nice having someone on the inside to do your, your fancy upgrades without grumbling about it. Mm-hmm. Quentin Quire should be nicer to the five. That's <laughs> basically what I'm saying. Yes. A lot of people were complaining about Cable dying and, and then also Storm defeating Vulcan so easily. And I'm glad this issue addresses both in a way. Mm. But Thunderbird coming in off the side. He's got some talking to do. These three pages were the previews that I had seen maybe like a week or two ago. And they got me so excited for this issue because of the layers of what's unfolding. Uh, unfolding. What might be manifolding? No. Come on, it was a good joke. It <laughs> no, was it was terribly, terrible. Terribly good. It, it was, was terrible. really great. Wait, so which three pages? The the first page, the second page, the third page. Yep. So manifold at the bottom right there, leaning up against a tree? Yeah. That's a big reveal. I mean, the whole thing is a big reveal. The fact that the the act at the Red Lagoon, the fact that Cable is working against Brand and co- collaborating with Thunderbird. Oh, so even the dialogue yes. was in the preview pages. Yes. I wasn't These, sure if it was like just the art or no, the dialogue. Pre- preview art versus preview pages. Preview got pages are, are finalized. They got the whole shebang up in them. Well then, yeah, that's full of big reveals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, you know when a when a preview has that much going for it that the issue itself is gonna be right. When you, have, when you have that much going on in the first three pages, keep reading, friends. Keep reading. I, I love this. Uh, it seems like Cable has tabs on the thoughts or at least conversations in the room that he just left, showing an almost immediate distinction between how he'll use his powers versus how Charles will use his. Because he says, I wish I could peer into his mind as they're walking out. And Cable knows that he's worried about Thunderbird. Right. 
But Charles says, I'd never spy into his thoughts, of course. You, know, you are a liar, Charles. He says it over and over again. One day, we may believe it. Nope. Prob's not. Not this girl. It's almost like this is another faction of mutants in our X-Men versus Brotherhood. That this is like the X-Force infiltration unit building in the background to then infiltrate brands. Mm-hmm. It's really exciting. The whole thing is really exciting. And I love that Cable has a projection of just being screamed at. Right. Yeah. And and we're still going to follow up on the fact that Thunderbird does not care for what happened while he was gone. Mm-hmm. And especially with his, his brother being manipulated or put on a path outside of his own. Yeah. And that takes us to a title page. Power grab. Loss. Written by Al Ewing, art by Stefano Casali, color art by Federico Blee and Fernando Cifuentes, letters and production, Ariana Maher. V.C.'s Ariana Maher. And and technically, Fernando Cifuentes of Proto Bunker Studios. So, you know. All right. <laughs> you right. Details. Details. I love this data page. Just this fight night advertisement. Oh, my God. I skipped it. You thought this was an ad? I thought it was an ad and I skipped it. Well. Special oh, challenge. Oh, the Circle Perilous today at sunset. I, I just like the, the stacking of their descriptors leading yes. into Vulcan and just the the angle of the letters. Yeah, it's Just cool. the design is great. All right. So Vulcan is the son of summer, prince of Krakoa, lost emperor of Shi'ar, co-creator of our very world, while Tarn is warden of the abyssal prisons. Head of the vile schools, enemy of Arako, the uncaring. We care. We care. Praise Tarn. Praise Tarn. Storm's got suspicions. As she should. And accusations. She's right there to bring it to Brand and find out the game that she's playing. I love it. I felt so happy when Storm was just there calling out Brand. Yeah. I know you're up to something. I know you've planned this. What is it that you gain if Vulcan gets this seat? Yeah, I hope she brings this to the council in some way. Yes. Yeah, I hope that they are aware of her suspicions or just what she's noticing that Brand is up to. Because I feel like, yes, Storm is against being resurrected. It is against dying. So hopefully, even if she does, that information isn't lost. Right. But just Brand, like, do you think... You could just be smug out of these thoughts and Storm will just walk away. I mean, Storm just walks away, but not the way you want her to. Right, right, right. Meeting adjourned. She's just like, okay, I had enough of your BS. I'm out of here. This distinction between your people and our people, the Mm. lines are drawn. Brand is still playing the game. You know, she's got her moves and counter moves in the background. Yeah, but everyone's getting fed up with her, which I love. Yeah. Because you've been fed up with her for a while. Since the start, baby. I don't know about oh, that. Oh, please. I never liked her. This line about Vulcan being Shi'ar royalty and Xandra on the throne makes me think that Orbis Serata, I believe that was their name. Oh, yes. The attack on Mars was meant to remove Xandra and find a way to instill Vulcan back in Shi'ar royalty. Oh. Because I think that that was Bran's next big move. Mm, maybe. That's how she gets her claws in the Shi'ar. Right, because she's she's said that she is playing Orcus as well. She is on her own game. She's for universal domination. Sure. 
Oh, well, we got a data page, a confidential report, top secret. It always makes me laugh when it says eyes only. Like, how else are you looking at this? Who who else is looking at this? Telepathically, like, not, like, don't share this anywhere. Like, yeah, I know. It's just a funny. Oh. Like, usually I would imagine it would say, like, brand's eyes only or council eyes only or some specific definition of whose eyes only but this is like only eyes can look at this yeah mentalo peeling back the layers of vulcan we need one of those telepaths that he's afraid of someone who can go in undetected on brand and get a handle of what's going on mm-hmm. the shields are falling which is why mentalo is able to see inside i love the the roadrunner metaphor yes it's such a good metaphor and it's a nice moment to say hey um sums up vulcan's not okay yeah like he's not okay yeah remember those squeedy guys from x-men which i again this is another great pickup of a plot thread that didn't really go anywhere because hickman did not see it through but Mm -hmm. seeds the rest of the world to be able to play with yes party at max's house oh yeah talking about tarn the brotherhood is planning the way that he's changed his tactics after fighting storm Whoever kills him would be a hero of Harako. Mm-hmm. And I just think this whole conversation is so interesting. You know, Magneto coming with his statements about how he's not interested in being in this situation again. Telling Storm that she reminds him of Charles. Yeah. Woof. Well, the hope. Yeah. And yeah. just the way the Fisher King is like, you know, I think it would be... I think this could be good for you, Max. Yeah. You're basically already one of us. You built your house here. Everyone respects you for giving us or helping to give us Mars and to be yeah. having been a big part of that. Yes. You've adopted our customs. And if you just show up and take that seat from them, you will be hailed as a leader. Yeah. Crazy, crazy, crazy. But great points about taking over their ruling body from the inside but the counterpoints from fisher king on the way magneto has become a part of this world just not frowning from orbit that's a shot at brand's manipulation Mm -hmm. right magneto is of the world now he is a place in the broken land and this poetic philosophy from magneto i love it i thought we were getting epic leader magneto before when he was on the krakoa's council just the different sides for what taking that seat would mean. And then this, the the pain in his story. Yes, oh my gosh, about his daughter that he can't get back. Yeah. My heart. Even still now, after experiencing so many wins, the hope that he had been given from Charles and then from Wanda, the joy of what those partnerships have brought mutant people, and then the sadness in him when thinking of Anya. Yeah. And then we get this, what I think is... The most beautiful moment. I don't believe you, headmaster. Yeah. Just using the word headmaster and taking my needle back to that moment when he played that specific role in so many mutants' lives and his face and the way he's walking away from this knowing, dang it, they got me. Yeah, like, they, they got me. They put, they put that in the back of my mind. Get out of here, Roberto. You don't know me. What is this book doing? It's making me like Roberto. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, you know, even Magneto's point, resisting the call to leadership, no more utopias. I'd argue that Arako is not and is not interested in being Being a a utopia. utopia, It is a war torn 
land that wants more war. It's perfect for Magneto. Exactly. It's per like if you look at Krakoa and Arako, Krakoa is Charles, Arako is Magneto. That's it. That's all you need to know. Mm-hmm. That's that's what it is, baby. On to the circle perilous. Oh yes. Oh, and like this is the halfway point of the book. Yeah. And it was already so good. So good. And now it's just going to get so much better. So much character development. So much just them relating to each other and uncovering things. Brand watching from home. Is she streaming this? Because people would pay to watch these fights all over. Yeah. She is, I guess. She I, she didn't want to show her face. Yeah. Well, she didn't want to be there. She doesn't want to know. She doesn't want people to know that she's got a, a horse in this race. Yeah. I trained you for this. Mm-hmm. I never died. I never died. I was always alive. Now, uh, what's what is Birdo trying to uh, start a new romance over here? Coming in smooth, you know. He's just trying to lay the groundwork and use it to his advantage later on because he doesn't. I, you know, getting a little spoilery towards where we're going, but hopefully you've read it and you know where we're going. But he doesn't necessarily know that Magneto's going to show up later on. Right. He does not. Right. So he's just. Playing his card to like, hopefully hey, have it there. Hey, girl. Oh, yeah. Hey, girl. What's up? What's up? Isco? How does love work for you? And she's like, it's dangerous. Don't get involved. <laughs> I like how she just keeps calling him bartender. She <laughs> I have won't not even learned acknowledge your name. his name. You're bartender. not Omega. Core of the Burning Heart. Ooh, were you so excited? I, so I instantly excited. thought of you when I got yes. to this page. Yes, we want you on our team, but we got to talk about the tactics of Tarn and how they've changed since Fighting Storm. Mm. But also, let's talk about the tactics of Brand and Vulcan, because they've been working on something secret of their own. Oh, snappity snap snap. The fight of weapon thieves. They basically cancel each other out at the top, removing each other's powers. So it's just the burning fire within versus head tentacles. <laughs> Heads. What do you got? Head tentacles. You didn't bring a knife. I thought. I thought Storm would have told you. You should bring a knife. Oh God! And Tarn just destroys Vulcan. Yeah, breaks him down bit he by bit. Crushes him. Literally crushes him. Yeah, I, I love this. I love this fight. <laughs> I and I also love. Cora being so excited that they don't, <laughs> they both don't have powers, and she's like, "Yeah!" Well, she even says, "Like I've been watching this just so I can see Tarn's death, mm-hmm. which hasn't happened yet. But this is probably the closest it's come." Mm-hmm. And then the turn with those tentacles, whack whack, and then <sighs> destroyed. Ugh. Who taught you how to fight, Vulcan? Jeez. Yeah, it's not going well for you. you Storm's face. She's like, oh, no. He actually did lose. Yeah, he he did die. And Brand is just pouting in her little chair. Yeah, she's not happy with this. Oh, what an entrance, though. Oh, from off panel. I will. I will. Dun, dun, dun. Coming in from the sky, carrying his helmet. Oh, God. Tarn over here stalling, regaining his powers quickly now that Vulcan has been defeated. Oh, just... Now, let's take a little sidebar to talk about what exactly Berto is doing here. Yeah, he, he is playing Iska, essentially. So let me see if I understand it, and then I'll get your perspective on it. By him saying, I bet you Tarn wins, then he's essentially forcing Iska into the 
assumption that Magneto will win, which makes her have to be right, which means Magneto has to win. Right. Yep. Exactly. So the fact that she can't lose, and Berto even starts the conversation before Magneto is there, that you can lose without losing. Mm -hmm. So that is a way that he can lose without losing. This, This sense of what I really want is for Magneto to win, so I'm going to bet against him because that's how your power works. And I and there's still some ambiguity as to okay, can she refuse this bet? Because I think she does. Yeah. <laughs> when oh, she, she she is po'd. Grabs him by the throat and kills him. She's like, "Get out of here! You will not manipulate me. I will not be made your fool." Right. Which makes me question her limitations. Like, how could she otherwise just have said no, or could she have otherwise just walked away? But also the way in which it goes down, I feel like Magneto had it in the bag. Right. Yeah, this was just... Icing. Right. This was just Birdo trying to make sure that the outcome he wanted was the outcome we got. Now, does she actually kill him? Yes, I do believe so. Okay. She kind of chokes him and then throws his lifeless body down the stairs. (laughs) Also, the next issue's title is Rebirth, and the cover is Sunspot crawling out of a Krakoan egg. All right, then. So. There you go. Uh, just the struggle and pain within her after what she's been through, seeing this challenge against her as a manipulation. Yeah, like, she's we don't, not here for that. We don't know a whole lot about Iska. We don't know a whole lot about most of the Iraqi, just details of what we do know from Ten of Swords, their struggle, the way that Iska has essentially been played against her people for decades, thousands of years, working with Tarn. Mm-hmm. I do love the conversation, like Tarn and Magneto getting ready to, to break it down. And then, oh, there's some commotion in the stands. Yeah. A challenge by insult. No crime was committed. Direct your attention to what matters. Yeah, this, come on. There's just people fighting in the stands. Birdo's not even Omega. He can't even be in here. So he's fighting out there. Oh, God, this is just so smart on Magneto's part. Just the ominous helmet floating over Tarn's head. His desperation as he quickly realizes what's going on. What's about to happen. We're allowed non-mutant weapons, I hear. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, he's playing by your rules, and he is winning the game. And Tarn was about to yield. He he didn't get it out. Nope. No, you don't. Which we Scritch. we got a lot of questions, and and it was my initial reaction. We got a lot of questions about Tarn's backup plan, mm. right? I don't know the fear in his eyes, the the look on his face right now makes me question if he had one. Oh no, he didn't. I I think he thought that he was going to steal Magneto's powers yep. and just destroy Magneto because he's full of himself. Well, I think like a, a, I'm thinking more of a resurrection backup plan. Ah. Oh. But the helmet on his head blocking his powers and then squishing his brain to pop as we see this epic last page. Ugh, Magneto just hovering over that sad, sad Tarn hand. Magneto sits in the seat of loss and the crowd literally goes wild as a hero of the Iraqi people becomes even more a member of their ruling government. Amazing. I can't even. I listen. I love me some Tarn, and I'm a little bit sad. But let me tell you, I will happily have Tarn be dead if Magneto is the one who kills him and not Vulcan. Right. Yeah. If this moves forward, what they're able to do and what they're working with, absolutely. 
amazing. Big picture? No, that sounds like... Uh, I mean, I loved, I loved every second of it. Yeah. It was so good. So good. It's one of my favorite books by far. So freaking good. So much character development, so many moving parts coming together in beautiful harmony. This is the book of the Iraqi people. Something that would have sold me on it already, but Magneto and Storm running the game, taking Brand down a few pegs, this was beautiful. Shout outs to the art team for their amazing work oh my throughout God. the whole so issue. So gorgeous. I just... I. I read it at least four times. I kept on, I kept on trying to take notes and and get ready for the episode, and was like, no, I just want to. I just want to read. I just, just want to enjoy read. it again. Uh, this this image of Magneto, uh, yes. right as he's about to squish Tarn's head. Yeah, just it's all just so perfect. So questions. Get him. Was Roberto's play necessary or was that just insurance? Was that just something that he was looking out for headmaster, looking out for himself maybe? is? I think he deep down was hoping Magneto was coming. Yeah. But I don't think it was necessary. I think Magneto came into that moment knowing exactly how he was going to take Tarn down because he wasn't even wearing his helmet when he yeah, came in. Right. So he already knew what he was going to do. Magneto wasn't afraid of anything at all. And I think that Berto's situation was a little bit more like him testing the waters with Iska and just saying like, hmm, what mm. can I do here? Yeah, yeah. How does this work? How does this new role for Magneto shape the future of the Iraqi Council? I think it's going to be very interesting. I would be interested to see that first council meeting that now there's two Krakoans yeah. on the council and how Araco is going to feel about that and the difference between how they're going to feel about Storm and how they feel about Magneto right because I feel like everybody likes Magneto already yeah and what he just did essentially is a golden ticket into the great ring yeah I mean they were was it Cora who was talking about like whoever it is that kills right. Tarn? Like people gonna in. love him, right? It doesn't matter. They're in. Emerald Comic Reviews said I all caps loved X Men Red. Same. Agreed. Agreed all the way all around. All caps, baby. Yeah. Mendo Mutato with X Men Red is the best X title right now. That is Ooh, all. That is all. Gauntlet Period. Throne. The end. Yeah. I mean, I'd have to see what happens with. Immortal X-Men next. Yeah. But it's pretty high up there for me. And I just feel like they're they're two sides of the same coin, mm -hmm. right? You have the story of the Krakoan Council and the story of the Iraqi Council and people. Yeah. And just to have it so different from everything else. Rem Springer asks, why did Iska freak out so hard? I've read so many theories about this. And I think it's kind of what we we're talking about. She doesn't want to be manipulated in the way that she has been previously the way that her power has been used against her. So to mm -hmm. have to be insulted in this way and to also to essentially belittle the challenge in front of them. Like these are a proud people that don't mess around when it comes to fighting for leadership. Right. So so to have this manipulation of not only her mutant gift, but of the governing body. Right. And it's also just an interesting perspective because I don't think in any sense that Berto was like, oh, I'm going to do this and I, it, it's going to be me challenging her. Right, like, right. Like, he just, from what I know of his personality, like, he was just messing around. He was just being himself. He was just being a... Tom Selleck. Yeah. <laughs> Magnum P.I. You know, that's just how he rolls. And so I think of it, he was more 
trying to be charming and trying to be quirky and trying to be fun. And it just shows you the difference of like how each person or how each of them takes something right like she took that as an attack she took she took any form of manipulation or you know like trickery you're you're challenging me you're attacking me you're disrespecting me. i mean i mean he was too right but like he probably didn't think of it that way you Mm. know i don't know i think that he came in knowing that that was his play that in the same way that vulcan knew how tarn's powers worked and Magneto knew how Tarn's powers worked to be able to use it against him. Mm-hmm. Roberto was trying to use Iska's power to help benefit the situation. I agree in that. But I don't think that he realized trying to manipulate her was going to be considered a challenge. Like she hmm. was like, let's throw down in the golden ring or let's go throw down in the ring right now. This, like she was ready to fight him. She was like, you challenged me. Yeah. So I don't think he thought that that was... Yeah, where maybe. it was going to go. We were talking about the guy, Sunspot. Daniel at Comic Extracts wants to know if this book is enough to move Alicia into a Roberto fan. It is. It's ha- it's working. It's happening. Uh-oh. Don't tell anyone, but I'm telling you all <laughs> right now. <laughs> Victory! PJ Kid Wolf suggests if we can't praise Tarn anymore because he's dead, should we praise the Brotherhood? Um, Yeah, I'm for that, but I feel as though I can also say praise Tarn because I can tr- praise the spirit of Tarn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will 100% gladly praise Storm and Magneto. Yeah. Especially Korra's joining the team. Let's go. Sunspot. Praise the Brotherhood. Like, like, let's go. For the grace and glory of the Brotherhood. Yep. But also praise Tarn. But also praise Tarn. In sweet, sweet memory. Baku Blade can't wait to see Vulcan unleashed. And especially with the teases as to what's building within him. You know, he's going to come back, and that's still going to be a part of him, I'd assume. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure how death will affect him, right? Because mm-hmm. whatever happened in those issues of X-Men and that were even referenced last issue of X-Men Red, I don't know if that would still be in him if he's resurrected. Yeah, that's interesting. Ooh, intrigue. What happens? And who's going to want to resurrect him? Yeah, right. Can we can we edit some things before we do that? Like, Talk to the five. Who's got an in? Cable. I mean, he is a Summers, so... Oh, he is a Summers. Vaderino brought up the fact that we haven't seen Magneto's wife since Wondagore, way back when. With him mentioning Magda and Anya in this issue, do we think it's likely that we'll see either his wife or his first daughter in the near future? Ooh. Well, interesting. How would they be back, though? Well, so we talked about it in our Patreon episode, the little hint in the Hellfire Gala preview about Spider-Man attending and is kind of intertwining with the Krakoan resurrection because of Moira, MJ. Oh, yeah. I think we might be getting our first resurrected human because of that, because of those hints and because of what we know from just that free comic book day issue and preview art whoa does that potentially expand the possibility of human resurrection that's crazy and to have this talk and the pain behind magneto's eyes the potential conversation leads me to believe that yeah we we could see them let's bring them back let's let them live with the fisher king as their best friend bffs uncle fisher king (laughs) teaching anya how to like Fish, fish as a king. crop, so whatever it is he does. 
Wise Guy wants to know what we think of Max quitting one council only to immediately join another. I mean, I have mixed feelings. Right. We did say like, we did kind of talk about this when he originally left the council. Like, oh, what's he going to do? Go go to Rocco? And we were like, no, he's not going to like join another council. He wouldn't do that. He doesn't want that. Well, he's but, kind of forced into it almost. Yeah. You know, not really forced into it, but per- persuaded. Yeah, you they, have this they influence. They tugged on the right exactly. strings. Like, help- he wouldn't have done it if if he wasn't persuaded, let's say, by the other people. Right. And he didn't. You know, I think he feels now he sees the need to have done it because A, nobody liked Tarn, and B, we can't have Vulcan in that spot. So what do we do? Like, he could have been coming down there to immediately challenge Vulcan if Vulcan won. You right. know what I mean? Like, yeah. Could have done the same thing. That, he didn't know that uh, Tarn was going to win. Mm-hmm. He just headed over there being like, all right, I got I to gotta do this because... Clean up this mess. Of the three of us, who should be the one on the council should be me. Right. And who's going to challenge him now? Nobody's going to challenge no. him to take that. I'll fight them if they do. Right. Well, they also wanted to know if we think Vulcan losing was part of Bran's plan or do we think she is out of her league? And I, I think it's another example of her underestimating Storm. Like, this was definitely... Not in Bran's plan, especially with her little pep talk to herself at the top. Yeah, like she I, did not. She fully expected. Yeah, him to win, especially with all the like, I trained you for this. You were specifically right. trained for this. I like, gave you the secret information to yeah. manipulate Tarn's power. Yeah. Mike loves Mariah Carey. Is wondering if Sinister will take over Tarn's creature features. Ooh. So the, the locust vile. Oh, I don't want I, him anywhere near. This. Yeah, let's not. I mean, like, yes, he could right? He could, but that just that just has disaster written all over it. Yep. But sounds like something Sinister would want to do. Right. Warline Comics wants to know how will Tarn return? Because I mean, I think Tarn will return in some way, mm-hmm. in somehow. They suggested. Uh, a clone city or did he put it back up of himself in some people out there referring to Sinister's backup during Mike Carey's run and Sinister City during Gillen's uncanny run. These weird concepts that are out there that someone crazier than Sinister would definitely use. Mm. And I think we're kind of dancing around the fact like, does Sinister have the ability to recreate Tarn? He has his genes. Oh, yeah. He has manipulated them in the past to combine himself with them. But would the Iraqi people like allow him to do that? Because they're all anti-resurrection, aren't they? Sure. But at the end of the day, if he does it without asking. Sinister going to do what Sinister going to do. Right. Sinister doesn't ask permission. I would love to see Tarn come back in some capacity. Right. Just because I like him a lot as a character. And I'd be kind of sad if this was officially his end. Exactly. He just he feels like a villain among all of the heroes. He's that we, great. You know, I mean, look at his little smirk on this cover. He's got to come back. Bring him back. Praise Tarn. <laughs> Our last question from the Pikachu follows up on the Sinister connections, saying that since Tarn is the Iraqi analog to Sinister, what are the chances that he's got a failsafe for his death, like a clone? Mm. It just makes sense, especially if you're going to compare the two of them. But the one thing that makes me question it is how he had like the, the doomsday planning, essentially, mm. with his locust vial that was revealed in Hellions, that if he were to die, he's got this, you know, like the feeding the big gore guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know that he has a clone, but I feel like Tarn would be inclined to be like, even though I caused you a lot of problems and 
I don't really like you. I feel like if anyone was his backup plan, Sinister is his backup plan. Yeah. And like if Sinister brings him back, it's not just because Sinister wants to, but because that they had some kind of deal worked out behind the scenes. Like, right. I'll give you this DNA if you promise my, to bring me back. You got my back. That's all our questions. Amazing. Great questions. Great feedback. Great, Great comics. Input. Yeah, just all good stuff. Great week. Splendid. We have a huge week. Oh, really? Next week. What do we got? Knights of X number three. Okay. New Mutants number 26. Yes. X-Men number 12. Ooh. Immortal X-Men number three. Oh, my Lanta. Marvel Voices Pride and Amazing Spider-Man number four. Okay, and Amazing Spider-Man number four. I just put that, especially with Amazing Spider-Man showing up on the AXE Mm. list and the fact that I'm, I'm reading it, I'm enjoying it. I liked issue three most of all just because it gave us a really cool insight into Tombstone's history, but I might also pick up Daredevil. Who knows? Who that's not knows? Coming, that's not coming out for another couple weeks, oh but I'm just slowly getting there's, further and further sucked in. There's not another Captain Carter for a long time. But worry not, the week after we get X-Men Red number four. Oh, thank goodness. Only two weeks we have to wait. Yeah. What a what glorious news. Praise Tarn. Praise Tarn. Until next time, old friend. Tarn! <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. <laughs>